Welcome to the Electricians Co-op. I'm your host, Rob Russ. And I'm Jamie Small. Today on the show, we have Jamie Smith from Excite Safety, and he's here to help us understand what we need to do as electricians to comply with all the various and confusing WHS rules and regulations. Jamie is a, a talented trainer with a passion for safety. His experience in the field is extensive, as you're gonna hear. He's got qualifications in nursing, maritime operations, surf rescue, fire safety, and workplace safety. From his years as an ER department nurse, he's seen firsthand what can happen when things go wrong and how it could have been prevented. Let's get started. Jamie Small, Jamie Smith, welcome to the Electrician's Co-op. How are you, Jets? JS, JS. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I hey, love Rob. it. Hey, Jamie. Best name in the world. <laughs> <laughs> at least uh, at least there's two distinctive voices there. I've been on podcasts before where people have had the same name and it's really hard to tell the difference between people. Yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Your, your spelling's different, Jamie. Is mine spelled like a girl or is yours spelled like a girl? <laughs> uh, my last name's Smith, so I need something wa- a, a bit odd with, it, uh, with a Y in it. <laughs> something that differentiates it. <laughs> How are you today, Jen? She's good? Yeah, man, good. Bit overcast today after a really hot day yesterday at Australia Day, but beautiful outlook here at uh, the studio. Yeah, what's going on on the tools, man? You're working hard with the boys. You've got some jobs on. What's happening? Yeah, I was up on a roof today doing a few videos, showing the guys on Instagram how to do things the way we do them. Um, then back in the office doing some quoting, doing a few electrical inspections, but yeah, we're good. Nice one. You got some good quotes coming up? Uh, our, our work's sort of booked out sort of two weeks in advance, so... Um, we've got our ongoing work with our builders and our Mr. and Mrs. Smiths that call us on a day-to-day basis, so it sort of fills up sort of day-to-day. Yeah, nice one. Anything interesting coming up? Any new projects, or is it much of the much of the same same? Um, we do work with a builder for Brickworks, which is Austral Bricks. Yep. Um, so we're doing a gatehouse for them. They, they've got a big um, block at Horsley Park where they make all their bricks, so we're doing a gatehouse there, which would be pretty cool, but... We like our residential stuff, you know, it's social, it's fun, it's local, so mate, that's that's our bread and butter. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Nice. And and Jamie, number two, how, how are you, mate? Tell us about Excite Safety, what's going on, everything uh, all good in your world? Absolutely. We are absolutely firing on all cylinders since we've uh, come back. We had a great uh, break off over Christmas. Um, it's been a little while since uh, we, in, in inverted commas, shut the business down and let all staff have a recharge and get back into it again and uh, did a bit of uh, renovation of the office. Nice. It's like a whole new workplace. You know, everybody's come back and, and it, they just watch, you know, be invigorated. It's, it's amazing. It's like a new, a whole new workplace. Actually, you had a good break over Christmas, a whole month off. What about uh, 2020? It's a forgettable year for many businesses. How did it affect uh, Excite Safety? Was it okay? Well, yeah, uh, Excite Safety did pretty well over, uh, considering what uh, what was happening over through 2020. So, um, if if we look at it, we've got two sort of main arms to our business. So we've got our WHS and our safety and our compliance side. We've also got our training side that delivers all the uh, first aid, fire training, WHS, infection control, so forth. So that side suffered quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, problem was uh, the um, WHS, also we, the numbers dropped significantly on that one, but the WHS actually picked up. We found a lot of businesses now had time on their hands going, well, we've had this on the back burner for a while, let's make it happen now. So we were actually getting quite a, a good number of inquiries around safety and compliance for businesses itself. Oh, that's, that's great, absolutely great news to hear. I've, I've, I've done a couple of podcasts for some different shows in the last few days and we were talking about contractions mm. and businesses that were actually contracting and how they handled it. And uh, everybody, you know, when you when life deals you lemons, you make lemonade and people, <laughs> people pivot and shift into other things and whatnot. Have you had the opportunity to shift gears into anything new in the last couple of months or has it been all the regular stuff that you normally do? Uh, well, we've actually haven't really shifted gears into anything new but what we've managed to really do is take a little bit stock on what we do and really hone and focus on our skills our marketing and making sure that the services that we deliver are absolutely as good as we can possibly make it and you know give every every one of our clients the best experience they can uh, uh, possibly experience themselves Is, is it working yeah. Sometimes the yeah. intention is there and it just never bloody oh, works in practice. No, it's frustrating. It's, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, the amount of return customers that we have, yeah, clients that just go, 
can we deal with you, we only want to deal with you, is phenomenal. And the amount of new clients that we have that might do a first aid course and say, that was brilliant, tell their boss, and now we're looking after not only them, but their whole business as well mm-hmm. has just been... So, yeah, honing it, focusing on it, and not spreading everything and doing everything, but really focusing on what you do and do it amazingly well. Yeah, how's the group training been affected, obviously, because of the... The group rule, we can't be together. Are you doing more stuff on Zoom? So we actually decided uh, to reduce our numbers to make sure we kept to the COVID compliance. So we kept to our four square metres. We were one of the very, very few in our area in the Southern Shire to actually have our own dedicated training room. So when Pooh really hit fan um, and all the other uh, training providers lost their hire venues, we were actually able to keep it. I mean, our numbers dropped significantly because we had to make sure we maintain those uh, distances and so forth, but we just kept going. And, and since then, our numbers have increased exponentially, which is amazing, And because you know, the name's out there, people like it, people talk, they talk about the good, they talk about the bad. So Yeah, that's good stuff. I'm so glad to hear that. We're talking a little bit indicatively about your business and assuming that the uh, listeners know what it is. Maybe you can give us some background on that. We probably should have started there. Tell us about Excite Safety and exactly what it is that you do and what you focus and specialise in. Um, So one way that I sort of put it um, out there is I help business owners sleep at night. It's kind of a a weird way to put it, but when I describe that as a business owner, you have so many hats on. You have your finance hat, you have your delivery hat, you have your uh, pay the bills hat. Like there's so many hats you wear. One of those is actually a safety. Um, And being able to actually get into businesses and really get to know them and knowing what the law and what there is requirements, we can actually remove that stress off those businesses. And the fact that they might have one employee, 20 employees, 100 employees, for them to be able to go, I've actually got my ducks in a row with compliance. I have my safety in line. Um, it's easy to implement. And the fact that so many people would see WHS law as this monster complicated thing, I, personally, I love it. I, I think it's like an absolute <laughs> blueprint in how to be safe in a business. I love it. But we actually unbox it and we simplify it for businesses and yeah having both the whs the compliance the law side of stuff um and understanding that and also the training and equipment side of stuff one business owner one business can come to us and we can actually provide all of their compliance needs and advice and contacts through one person yeah very nice i suppose it's not until something goes wrong where you really need you but yeah i suppose i suppose what makes you think how do you get um I suppose, in front of electricians to sort of go, okay, guys, this is what you need. And if you don't have this, have this, this is the repercussions. Yeah. So as a business, our absolute hardest bit for us is not the sale. It's not the, the, the delivery. The hardest bit is getting in front of business owners and then actually ad- advising them, this is the requirements. And I'm not making it up. It's come directly from the law. I can give you a codes and acts and regulations and the whole works and just being able to get in front of them and say hey this is your requirements this is what will happen if you don't meet your requirements and um, it could be enormous there are there are actually people that have been prosecuted and uh, gone to jail and been imprisoned because of the lack of compliance in a business Um, and you know when business owners and I talk about it and, and we're getting to the monetary side of stuff you know, you might have an outlay of five, ten, fifteen thousand. It depends on the size of the business and how complex it may actually be. Um, that initial outlay, number one, gets rid of that stress from the back. Number two, if something were to go wrong, you don't have to worry about it because you're compliant. You know, the business, the insurance companies won't walk away. The the, the police, the the, um, the detectives might say, absolutely not. You're compliant. You know, work safe New South Wales. You don't want to have to deal with them. So if you're compliant, they go, yeah, see you later. You're compliant, you know. Mm. A guy from NECA said to me the other day, which is, you know, like a big company that yep. looks after electricians, he yep. said, look at it this way. If somebody gets hurt on your job or working for you, mm-hmm. and the work cover comes to you and says, okay, what have you done to keep this guy safe? Yep. And most guys will say nothing. Yep. You know, so I think it's important, obviously, to have your safe, 
safe work, work met- method statements <laughs> and <laughs> your toolbox talks and all that yep. sort of stuff. So where do guys start? Okay, so the easiest place to start, this is the way that we run things and we may try to make it as absolutely foolproof, uh, simplified as we possibly can. Start with a small workplace audit. Um, so I'm happy to um, send Rob a, a document that he can send to everybody. I've developed a small little document that you'll be able to, free of cost, jump on it, go through it. And, and, and there's some basic questions on those that you need to answer. Be super honest with yourself and with the business. And then you come with a score at the bottom. It, what it then does, section two, it again takes into your risk factors. So for electricians, your risk factors are higher for say a white collar working in an accountant so your risk factors are less and the very bottom it then spits out a number that gives you a risk rating and the higher the risk rating the more important it is to actually get in and act on that uh, that side of safety in your business sooner rather than later the lower the risk factor you still want to get in and do it but you might be able to take a little bit longer period of time to be able to um, uh, implement all those changes yeah, that's good stuff. It's a, it's an important place to start. Everybody starts something somewhere, mm. and if you can start with small, some small baby steps like that, that makes it easy, and you can eat that elephant one bite at a time. Yep. So let's get some more background, and we're going to come on back just in a second, talk some more about Jamie's background and what he can do. Well, I've got to ask, mate, you, you've had some incredible experiences and over a couple of beers, you've always shared these crazy stories with me just because of the nature of what it is that you do. It's just, it's such an important role that you play in the community. But where did it all start for you, mate? Because your background is not in WHS, it's no. in as, a, as an ER nurse or in nursing, right? So yeah. tell us about your background and how, do you, how you got into doing what it is that you do. Well, I, a very long story short, I'll try and cut. Uh, I've been in surf life saving since I was five. And I, I just love that ability to be able to learn and help people and work my way through the SRC, bronze medallion, and just love that. And then throughout school, I got an opportunity um, to do my nursing. And I started actually as nursing in, when I was 16 years old. Um, loved it. Just just enjoyed it and yeah I think through life-saving and my passion of nursing emergency um, was just a no-brainer. It's a natural progression for uh, you? I just loved it and then just kept studying within nursing um, started uh, focusing more on the emergency side uh, of work and just loved it Um, and then throughout nursing and how I sort of ended up with this business I kept growing to become a nurse educator. So I ended up teaching nurses to be nurses clinically within the actual units itself. Um, And part of that role was fire training and WHS. So the hospital sent me through to the New South Wales Fire Brigade where I did um, uh, senior fire manager level training, level one and two. So I could then um, do workplace inspections for fire safety and deliver proper training at a quite a high level. Um, and the hospital also sent me to uh, WorkSafe New South Wales, where I did my um, workplace inspection um, uh, training so I can actually control the workplace and know what I'm looking for properly and you know be able to actually implement the laws. Um, and then throughout the, the years, I was dealing with it for many, many years, 20 plus years of working there. Um, I've seen when it goes wrong. And I, I just got, uh, in a way, a little bit disheartened because... I wanted to make sure that people didn't end up in emergency. It's already busy enough as it is. You know, the wait times are huge. You know, the, the staff are doing an absolutely amazing job as best they possibly can, but there's just more people coming in the door and coming in the door. So I, I, I looked at another avenue. How can I stop people either, A, not getting into emergency in the first place, or whatever the injury has occurred, it is such a lesser um, degree of injury that they might be in there for an hour versus a week. Mm. So uh, that's what I actually started Excite Safety. And so throughout my background and, and now you know, I've got nine staff, you know, their backgrounds as well and their knowledge in different fields. You know, I've got a, a commercial chef that he did that for years. So in terms of HACCP training, I've got a, 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 an engineer who was part of the Australian 
Defence Force, you know, so their knowledge about, and he's a qualified electrician yep. um, as well, so, and boiler maker as well. So, what a, a great resource to have. Mm. And being able to bring all these resources together, get it out there in the community, in businesses. Um, I also started teaching in TAFE colleges. So, I teach in Guymere TAFE to both the Sparkies and the plumbers and roofers. I want, you know, I started teaching a white card. So, you know, most people, if, you, if you're a Sparky, you have a white card. You know the basics in risk assessment. And being able to then implement that, stop those injuries, reduce the severities so they don't end up in emergency, they don't end up stuck there, the businesses don't lose downtime, money, jobs lost, you know, putting things back. I just, to me, it was a no-brainer. And that's where I've now focused. So I've actually stopped nursing and I'm now purely focusing on making those businesses compliant, making sure they have the correct equipment the correct way and, you know, doing the best we can. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's a great background story there. Tell me, when you were working in the hospital mm. system and you were going through these courses, the the great thing is they pay for you all your courses and Can't put you Yeah, so that's really cool, right? And that <laughs> stuff's expensive too. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, so you you get the quals and then you come back and then you're required to implement the systems and to use all those systems. Yep. Um, in a hospital environment, there's just there's no ro- any workplace. There's no room for error or mistakes. No. But did you see the? Uh, I guess the fruits of your labour where it stopped things before they happened because the nature of safety and WHS yep. is that you don't see the result of it like nothing bad ever happens <laughs> and it's like we pay all this money and we do all this stuff but nothing bad ever uh, happens. I'm going to give you a very short, now this seems like a very simple short story on exactly me seeing the results I had uh, a workplace that I'm looking after, technically it was in the hospital um, <laughs> and I was helping and I did some basic training on testing and tagging okay um, I didn't train them how to test or tag it was for the information for the general members of the staff and what I trained them to do is look for the basic stuff look for frayed the, um, the um, uh, wires look for you know if it goes into a PowerPoint is it connected to the plug correctly do you see exposed wires all that sort of stuff and so I did some general training I came back a couple of weeks later just to uh, check on the staff and make sure they're okay and one of the staff members she's a very quiet staff member she's got English as a second language uh, she's not one of those flamboyant over the top you know in your face sort of staff members and she came up to me and she said Jamie uh, thank you for the training what I had done and I'd seen this and I had reported it correctly and she showed me, she showed me the report. She was very proud of it. And I can't tell you, I smiled ear to ear. She actually found a sandwich press, which is in every kitchen pretty much in most yeah. workplaces, right? Yeah. And there was an exposed wire right against the metal. Yeah, right. And before she turned the, the, the switch on on the, on, the, on the wall, she saw it, she pulled it out, she put a do not use tag on it. She reported it correctly, and to me, that just has stopped someone being electrocuted. Mm. That I mean, it's such a small, simple little thing, but to me, that's a fruit of my labour that, that makes me smile and gives me goosebumps because I've helped save somebody and I've helped empower another staff member to be able to make a difference in their own workplace. It's just a no-brainer. Yeah. yeah talking about electrocution and shocks, the other day I was on a job and I was doing a make-safe and there was a fluorescent light, metal light on the ground. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the power was still on. Obviously, you would assume it's dead. I put my test pen near yep. it. It didn't light up. So I picked up the light and I got an almighty bang. Yep. It, sh- like it, it was just from a light, but it shocked the hell out of me. Mm. So I dropped it. I turned the main switch off. I disconnected it. And I thought, you know what? You hear about these stories about how yep. you go to sleep at night after getting a shock and you don't wake up. Yep. And obviously got a family and, you know, I've got staff and all that. So I thought, you know what, I better lead by example here. Mm. So I went into the hospital, went into the ER at Sutherland Hospital there. And I just said, listen, I've just got a significant shock. I'm a mm. little bit worried. Can you put me on the ECG? Yep. And they did. Yep. And, you know, they printed it out. It only took like five minutes yep. and they sent me on my way. Yep. And I touched base with all the guys at work saying, if this ever happens, yep. you need to go to hospital because of, you know, the 
future complications. Can you yep. explain what can potentially happen? Well, I'm going to break it up into two main complications when you get zapped. So complication number one, even small zaps, say in your finger, your hand, your knee, your foot, um, while your heart may not be affected or you may not feel it, you may not be racing, you may not be skipping beats, your, your breathing rate might be still be okay you don't know that you've had a burn. Now, the thing about electrical burns, often enough it's more internal than external. You might see a pinprick-sized black dot on your finger, but the inside of that bone that you can't see might be absolutely charred. So, you know, go to hospital and get checked. They will make sure that if you have further problems, further complications, that you will not suffer ongoing from that. You know, if you leave a bone that, or, or flesh that's quite deep that's burnt for a day, two days, three days, you know, you can end up with an infection, septicemia, you know, something along those lines which is just going to affect you for life. The second one I'll talk about is your heart. So if, you, if your heart is affected in any way, it's, it's got zapped, it's gone through your heart, through your chest, through your abdomen area, you actually can damage the heart muscle. Now, what most people... Yeah, so what most people don't know is that it has the possibility, and it's more likely than not, that you will permanently damage the heart muscle. Now, it's accumulative, and this is what electricians, and this is why I educate when I'm in, in TAFE, you need to be aware. You might get zapped by a 12-volt battery every month for five years and be completely fine, and then the fifth year, the first time, that little 12-volt battery is what drops you for life. So you have permanently accumulative damage to your heart. So you really, really need to get checked. Now, as you said, when you come into hospital, we'll pop you on something called an ECG. And the main thing we're looking for here is that the rhythm itself, the way the heart is beating, is still doing it correctly and the blood is still coming out correctly. If there is an arrhythmia, we'll be able to fix it. Hence, you're being there. You know, if you don't go into hospital and that arrhythmia, because you've been zapped, last an extended period of time you know that's when you're talking about people you know might go to sleep at night and they may not wake up because that arrhythmia has then progressed and got worse and worse to the point where the heart actually stops beating so if i went to the hospital got my ecg yep it was all clear yep are you saying the damage to potentially to my heart is permanent it's possible and it's more likely yes than not and the thing is we can't tell that so we can't, uh, yeah, we, we can't do an ECG, we can't do a, a, an X-ray to say, oh, yeah, you've been damaged 48%, you've got 52% left, you've got five zaps left. or We, we can't yeah. do that. That's not why it works. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if, we, if we look at it this way, what we want to do is see how, things, see how you are health-wise right now. Make sure your heart is beating correctly. Make sure if you've got any further injuries from it, burns or so forth, that that is treated, we look after you as best we can with the ultimate goal of never being zapped. Yeah. So yeah. is there a document that you can provide as part of your you know, safety training or whatever it might be in the event that one that happens to one of your staff to make sure that you're covered as an employer? Absolutely. So part of your um, implementation, part of your compliance is a minimum amount of documentation. I know you're all going documentation. Oh, really? Do I have to have it? Well, yes, you kind of do. Yeah. Um, if you have all of your documentation in place, and that's everything from something as simple as a WHS plan, a risk matrix, a risk assessment, uh, an accident incident form, okay? Now, keep in mind, most of these forms don't need to be hard copy anymore. Let me soft copy. Mm. Um, so, you know, you've got to find it and have it that works for the business. Um, when you have all of these in place, if anything were to go wrong, there was, there was an injury, there was something major that would happen, the business owner then becomes completely covered. The business owner cannot be held totally liable and responsible for everything. So uh, an example, the story I, I was just telling you boys just before we started was um, one of my clients, they are a plumber, but I mean, it's completely relevant because it's an injury. Um, one of the workers, we'd implemented all the safety stuff. We actually brought new policies and procedures in and the owner was aware. He, he came to us and said, help me become compliant. And we spent a fair amount of money. It was a big company, had about 20 staff um, and he spent about $15,000 over a period of 12 months implementing all of this. Uh, we supported and stood by him every month. We helped him conduct those toolbox talks and the implementations. Um, and then uh, they got called out to a job. It was uh, one of the boss, one of the workers, and an apprentice. And it was a two-story house. They had to clear a gutter, and the guy, the, the guy in charge there, um, just went oh, putting up all this safety stuff is going to take longer than doing the job. 
So we decided, nah, just quickly do it. Put the two-storey ladder up, leant too far, ladder slipped, he fell. He actually impaled Jesus himself on a fence. Yeah. You know, just, just something, it just leant too far. Um, so the apprentice ended up, and, and we trained the apprentice in first aid, so the apprentice ended up actually li- literally lifting him off, off the top of the fence. Gosh. Uh, phoning the ambulance, performing CPR, helping save this guy's life. Um, this uh, incident, the WorkSafe New South Wales, is obviously reportable straight away. Uh, police detective showed up within about 20 minutes as well. Um, and the owner went through all the steps involved they have to. You know, it's, compli- it's compliance. Uh, both WorkSafe New South Wales and the police detectives both looked at everything that was implemented. Policies, procedures, uh, training, equipment, everything. Um, and both WorkSafe New South Wales and the detectives said, look, as a business, you're compliant. As an owner, you've done nothing wrong. You have implemented everything. You've kept your staff stay safe as much as you possibly can. It, the incident was, in inverted commas, the cause of the worker. Mm. So but, yeah, they were still entitled to their... Workers' comp, that's why we pay it. So they still got their medical um, uh, expenses paid and so forth. Um, and that worker then thought, oh, I can get millions of dollars out of this. Took him to court um, and it ended up before the High Court of New South Wales. He, he just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Uh, and long story short, the uh, High Court of New South Wales went, no, the business is compliant. You did nothing negligent. So the worker was not entitled to millions. The business wasn't folded and closed. Um, everything was protected. So having what most people think, oh, more documentation in place, you know, you don't need it until something really goes wrong. Yeah. And by that stage, it's too late. It saves your fortune. <sighs> so would they have done a pre-start safety check before they, you know, actually began their job? Or? Yep. So part of the documentation we put in place was a site safety inspection report. And they did that? And they did not do that. Yeah, that right. was part of why the boss, uh, sorry, the worker was like, oh, if I have to do that and then I have to put out, you know, the safety equipment for the ladder and then I have to actually attach the ladder to the gutter using this new device and, you know, to actually do the job would would be less than all this safety stuff. So why are we doing it? I've been a plumber for 20 years. Why are we doing this stuff now? Better than being impaled on a fence. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) (laughs) To me, I just, I don't get it. And, you know, I I just want to put it out there one more thing. You know, in terms of cost, yes, some of these costs can be high, but I want you to be aware, everyone who's listening, every cost around WHS implementation, getting things up and running, because it is a requirement in law to have, it's 100% deductible on your business income. Yeah. It's a write-off. So, you know, if, if you get your the best first aid kits you can pr- imagine, if you get the best training, you get all your policies, get someone to write it. That invoice that, you know, that, that they've implemented in the long run costs you nothing. And if you go to your insurance company and say, hey, look what we've got in place, here's the evidence of it, most of the time they'll reduce your insurance premiums as well. Again, what a no-brainer. Mm. And then you know you can sleep better at work. And I, I mean, Jamie, you've got a, a bunch of staff. Imagine that you knowing that when they're out there, something goes wrong. God forbid it happens. Mm-hmm. You know your staff are going to be safe, mm-hmm. and you know you're going to be covered. You're well, not going to lose the cutler you in your drawer. Or, you know, like when the boys are on the job, I want to make sure they come home safe. Yeah. And the you know, additional to that, I want to make sure I'm safe if they do make a mistake. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, that's it's, something out of my control as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think every uh, every industry um, has its own horror stories, <laughs> um, and the horror stories translate across. All industries, they transcend those boundaries. Jamie, is there something that has happened in your career as an electrician where you thought, oh, my God, you you saw somebody get hurt or injured or something went wrong on a site? You went, man, that's just like a real – gave you a scare? I've been pretty lucky. I did construction for a long time, then moved in the residential scene, and thankfully I haven't seen anything too gruesome. Um, I've had a few zaps along the way, which – is as bad as it sounds, is a wake-up call to realise how dangerous electricity is because it's invisible. Does it happen to you, like, from a mistake or just a bit of carelessness or...? Just, I suppose, as as much as I hate it, it's a bit of laziness. Every now and again, you're like, I'll be right. Mm. And you get a zap or you brush past something. You're that's, not all right. You know, <laughs> and, you know, it's it's silly. And I always say to the boys, don't take any unnecessary risks. Yeah. If it takes five or ten or half an hour to find a switchboard if you're in a building spend the time to find it because if you don't you make a mistake and you touch something you shouldn't you're in all sorts of strife but you hear stories all the time and we occasionally on YouTube will 
post yeah. a video on our WhatsApp about someone getting hurt and you yeah. know like or a story or a newspaper article about someone that's died as a wake up call to the boys to say guys mm. we're dealing with something really serious here it does happen you know take it seriously I, one of the examples I dealt with was just to me almost made me shed a tear a little bit it was um, a construction worker didn't actually he wanted to do it on the cheap he wanted to put some lights under his house and he didn't want to actually pay for a full qualified um, uh, electrician to come and do the work so he paid his uh, one of his mates electricians the apprentice a little bit of Is cash in the back. Uh, no it's not the one at Nora Nora yeah. I, I don't think I it's the one at Nora similar, yeah. um, and he paid his mate yeah this, this apprentice yeah come and he was second year apprentice and the apprentice, he's gone yeah I know what I'm doing I'll do it um, so he got to the the guy's place and he was actually installing some lights under the house and what he'd actually done the apprentice did the right thing he turned off the switch box you go into the main you know, power box, turn it all off. What he didn't do correctly was he didn't tag out lockout. Oh. So he was under the house working away. Um, you know, he, he turned off the power good, but he didn't do it all properly, as, we, as I said. Um, and the builder's son came home. And the builder's son was like, oh, yeah, I want to play a bit of Xbox. Well, there was no power. So he just went out to the uh, main box and saw, oh, yeah, it's just turned off, flicked him up. Uh, instantly, they went, apparently, they went straight back off. So he thought, oh, that's a bit strange. Flicked him up again, and they stayed on this time. Um, and son thought nothing of it, was playing Xbox. Uh, dad came home and went, oh, yeah, is the, is the guy finished? Yeah, what's going on? And he went, no one's here, it's just me. And the, the builder ran down underneath the house, and here's this second-year apprentice dead underneath yeah. his house. Oh, tragic, man. Um, and when I think about something like Xbox, that, I mean, <laughs> just think about one of your guys just doing something like not putting a tag out lockout. You yeah. know, uh, if this apprentice had just put a tiny little tag hung it on the little you know switch yeah, on, on the rubber, inside on a rubber there band it's such a small thing yeah yeah nothing. what would they have taken 30 seconds yeah you know and his son would come home open the box and sort of tag says do not turn back on there's a phone number there's the person's yeah. i'm just that's experience tragic. as well and it just goes to show that apprentices shouldn't be out there doing their own jobs absolutely because yeah. a tradesman i would hope wouldn't let that happen yeah and maybe that in the that might be in the third year when he learnt that, and he's the second year, so he, he wasn't at that point yet. Yeah. So I know it's tempting for apprentices out there wanting to do their own jobs, but just don't do it. No, just yeah. uh, just get the correct training. Just it, you're there to learn and ask questions. You know, one thing that you know with WorkSafe New South Wales that they're constantly talking about with apprentices, you're there to learn. Ask the questions, but I'm going to put it back onto the the, the actual qualified Sparkies teach the apprentices mm. don't just assume they're going to know don't just assume that they know to put a test and tag and a tag and lock out don't don't just assume that teach them teach them the information correctly from the beginning and i promise you i've dealt with a few apprentices you're not going to teach them once you're going to have to teach them a hundred times mm. but that's what it is teach them make them learn i think the problem in con the construction industry you're like a robot mm. so an apprentice can go through their whole trade and learn nothing other than probably cable tray and yeah. fitting off powerpoints mm. yeah we had an apprentice the other day he's from a commercial background mm. He's a fourth year, mm. and he said, I've never touched the switchboard. Gosh. I want to come and work for you. And wow. he actually did a work experience day with us. He had an annual leave day with his company. Awesome. I said, it's an opportunity to come, come with us yep. and learn how to do it. Yeah. He will – skills trackers that we all need yep. to do. He just bodged them all up, and which most guys <laughs> do do that. Like if you're yeah. in the lift game or commercial game, you bodge him up to say you're doing switchboards. Yeah. You get your ticket, you're out in the field, and you've got no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Which is really worrying. Yeah. I mean, I, um, in, under actually under one of the codes of practice, there's actually only currently two legislated um, items where you're allowed to work live, um, and switchboards is one of them. Yeah. So um, dealing with life-saving equipment such as you know dialysis and life-saving machines, you are allowed to work live. The second is when you're testing a board. So um, you know it, it's really important. You know exactly as you said. You know don't just rest on your laurels and don't bodgy stuff up. Mm. You know you're not cheating anybody else but yourself. Yeah. Yeah, Jamie. I wanted to um, to get your your feedback on a story. I just want to I want to share with the audience is um, one of the processes that we used to have in the military, particularly in my very last posting at the Australian Parachute School. Um, we would have a, a not an extensive debriefing process, but we had a fairly rigorous debriefing process. And I think there's something to be learnt from when things go wrong. Yeah. And uh, as a as a paratrooper uh, in the army uh, at the parachute school, I got to do all the fun free fall <laughs> stuff. So it's like being in special forces without having to do all the special forces rubbish that goes along with it, which is really cool. And 
you'd go to work and, and often through these jump serials, uh, you'd be asking, what are we doing? And part of what I did in Airborne Platoon is I would go and pretend to be a student yep. for somebody training to be a uh, parachute jump instructor, <laughs> jump master, mm -hmm. or a team leader. And when we did these free fall series, we used to go and uh, we would go and jump on a foreign drop zone. So the aircraft would take off from Nowra or from JBRF and we'd fly around and you'd, you'd sometimes you'd go and jump into the back of a high school. Like, it's kind of cool, right? Yep. And you'd never been there before and the team leader's job was to brief you. Yep. And so as if we were going to jump into combat operations, that's what their roles were. Usually those guys were SF guys or SAS guys, commandos, that sort of thing. And Anyway, I, I can remember this one particular time, we were up around 12,000 feet or something like that, and the team leader always exits first. There was six of us in the chalk, plus the team leader, and he kind of was facing out of the ramp, and he turned around and pivoted and exited, and then we all jump pile on top of him as we jump out of the aircraft, and looking for the drop zone, here we are, he's the, following the brief and flying Ooh. through the sky. And I remember um, as he exited the aircraft, he as he turned around and pivoted, his combat equipment, his pack that he was wearing on the front, you have a strap around one of your legs, but he hadn't pulled his strap tight. And as he hadn't pulled his leg strap tight, as he exited the aircraft, the wind just got hold of that, the slipstream got a hold of that and pulled the pack to one side. And suddenly you find yourself in a parachute drill where the drill goes like this. You find yourself spinning out of control and you're above 6,000 feet. What do you do? Mm. And the drill is like, hard arch. And I was number two in the chalk and I jumped out on top of him and the guy's like spinning out of control, spinning towards his death, right? Trying to scoop in the pack and trying to do his leg strap up as he's fallen towards the ground head first at 200 kilometers an hour and it's all very dramatic and it's all very scary and stuff and anyway he writes himself we kind of fly to the target we get on the target it's a really cool landing all the kids come out and say hi and all that sort of stuff we pick up our gear and <laughs> and immediately immediately my instinct um i think as a as a man as a and as a paratrooper is to make fun of him and to say something funny and to be a smart ass about it. But as a paratrooper, what you learn is that there's parachuting gods that are listening to everything that you say. Mm. And the gods will smile on you if you encourage and be nice. And the gods will be mean and nasty to you and rain down lightning and fire on you <laughs> if you do something wrong. So, you know, we kind of got in a huddle, had a little bit of a debrief. He told us, and he was the team leader, he was the most senior guy, right? He told us what went wrong and he debriefed us from the process and stuff like that. And I can remember thinking, that will never ever happen to me. Yep. And partly, not, not so much because of what I'd witnessed, but because of what he said when we got on the ground. Yeah. And pretty much what he said was, make sure you do your drills before you leave the aircraft. And the drills are just making sure everything is tight. You've got your goggles on, you've got your gloves on, your altimeter set, and you're just real simple stuff, right? Yeah. And be the nature of it was so simple, but it caused so much heartache for him. And you know, it was never gonna end in tragedy or anything bad was gonna happen, but it was, if we were jumping in, for real somewhere and that had happened, it could end up really bad. You could yeah. end up off a target, not on a drop zone. There's a whole bunch of things that could go wrong. I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is it, it's easy to make fun of somebody in a workplace when something goes wrong. <laughs> and it's very tempting to do that. Yeah. But you kind of got to take the moral high road a little bit and try and learn from other people's mistakes so that Absolutely. never ever happens to you. What would you say to companies implementing a debriefing process? Jamie talks all the time about toolbox talks and things yeah. like that. But what about when something goes wrong? What can a what can a small business or an electrician actually do when something does go wrong? Okay, so just straight out on debriefs. Um, the amount of debriefs I've run, both within Surf Life Saving for major incidents or within the hospital and that sort of stuff, um, it, it, phenomenal. And one of the hardest things that I will find, and I'm going to pick on blokes now, is our egos. Yes. And it's our ego and our thought process that an a... Um, debrief is about assigning blame. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. It's your fault. And a debrief is actually absolutely has nothing to do with that. Yeah. A debrief is about a basic five basic steps. Step number one, you all sit down, you all get together. Hey, what happened? But keep in mind what happened to different people in the same incidents. They, they, they retain information differently. They experience things differently. They come into situations differently. So yeah, get everybody together, drop your ego and go, guys, what happened? You know, what, what did you see? What did you experience? Number two, what went right? What went right in this incident? Not everything goes wrong. By the sounds of it, not everything went wrong with your, you know, your jump that time. You know, mm. The guy got to the ground safely. Yeah. You know, so what went right? And then praise what went right because that means some of the training and some of your information works. Number three, what went wrong? 
what, how did you actually end up to a point where this went wrong? Did you not test out tag out? Did you not use the 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 um, vault stick? Do you you know? So what went wrong? Number two, how you think you can? Oh, sorry, number number four, how you think you can improve it in the future? Now there is absolutely no wrong answers here. I don't. I, I mean, I've run debriefs, and I don't care if people come back and say, "Oh, we should get um, you know." Toyota to make us a robot nurse and they do it, you know. There is no wrong answers. And this is where, you know, the boss you know, needs to be writing down these these things and, you know, not everything's going to be possible to implement. And then number five is about checking the emotional status of people, making sure we're all okay. Uh, you know, the bigger the incident, the more major the incident, the more blokes are going to shut down and not talk about it right here and now. You know, I, I'm talking a little bit about mental health and, you know, because incidents happen within workplaces. If you watch someone get zapped, you might go, I'm fine now, you saw a bit of blood, you're okay, but that night you don't sleep. That night you, you're in a fetal position, curled up, crying in bed, and you're not going to tell your boss. That. That's just male ego BS. Yeah. You know, we, we need to drop that. And, you know, part of safety, I know I'm talking about, you know, the, the WHS laws and, you know, money and that sort of stuff, but, you know, personally, this is me, I... I, I Drop all that, and it's about helping humans, about helping each other. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's you know, stuff. And, and you know, being able to drop that. Imagine you have, to, you know, in your example, have you know, the 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 jump master. Yeah. Go. I didn't get it right. This is what happened. This is what went wrong. And I tell you now, ninety nine percent of the time, when people do that, especially men, I tell you now, they gain more respect from other people in other workplaces when they're not trying to be perfect and go. I'm always right. You know, like just. It's okay to get things wrong, but you have to learn from it. Yeah, in the military, we use a system called uh, nameless and rankless. Mm-hmm. So the D doesn't matter what rank you are. Mm-hmm. Like if the, if that jump master is you know two ranks above me, I can still debrief him and tell yep. him what's wrong because the debrief is nameless and rankless, and it doesn't really matter. And we use a, th- a three R principle. So what were, what was the result? What was the response? Yep. And what was the reason that nice. that actually happened? Yep. So yeah, simplified version of what you're talking about. I love the number five there, where you checking in on mental health and making sure everyone's all right. In the army you don't check anything like that i wonder there's so many bloody problems i think it's important to know why because you know there's got to be documents but why yeah you know i think that's important and i think with our toolbox talks we occasionally ask slack with them we try and do the monthly and is monthly enough is that frequent enough um if you can do a toolbox talk monthly you're you're actually ahead of the curve yeah right yeah that 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 to me is amazing don't stop that yeah so we try and talk about things that happen like when that when i got zapped from that light i said boys just remember that don't assume it's dead. You know, double, <laughs> yep. I don't know how I could have done any different because there was a metal fitting. If I tried to take the cover off to test it, I still would have got a zap you, touching the metal. But you know what assume means, doesn't it? Yeah. Assume makes an ass out of you and me. Yeah, yeah. So never assume. Well, yeah. I said to the boys, if you if you think it's, oh, that's kind of not right, it's yeah. not right. Yeah. yeah. Jamie, what was the first word out of your mouth when it shocked you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's uh, great stuff on the podcast today. There's value bombs left, right, and center, and lots of uh, great stories uh, flying around. But let's let's get to let's cut to the chase, Jamie. What are what are the absolute non-negotiables for a small business owner, for an electrician, for an electrical contractor, and yep. a company? What are the absolute non-negotiables that they're listening to this? They must have this in place. Okay, um, I'm going to split it up into two main components if we talk about it this way now it doesn't really matter if you're a one-man band or if you've got a hundred staff you all need your minimum requirements let's start with the physical stuff so you must have on site at all times now worksafe new south wales have has deemed vehicles a workplace so a workplace must have a workplace accredited first aid kit okay that is a non-negotiable Number two, workplaces must have fire safety equipment. This is first attack firefighting equipment. It can be something as simple as a little one and a half kilo ABE powder fire extinguisher, right up to the big ones, depending on you know, you know what your your specialty in electrical. Even in the van. Even if you're in the van, yep. I'll give you a prime example of this. Big business needs to be compliant. Look at any Telstra van. What is on the door, on the on the tray somewhere will be a little sticker that's a green one with a white plus sign yep. that says this workplace, here is the first aid kit. And you'll often find right next to it is the fire extinguisher symbol. So that is a minimum. It's a must. You have no choice. Okay. Along with those two, if you think about it this way, if you've got a first aid kit, you need to know what to do with it. 
So every workplace must have a person trained and current in first in first aid. Okay, so if you're a one-man band, you need training. If you're going to have yourself and apprentice work together, great. It's yourself, Jamie. You've got to have that first aid certificate that's current because that way you're the first aider in that workplace. And, and if you've got fire extinguishers, you have to have fire safety training. You actually need to conduct a one and what, between one and two hour session on how uh, and why and when around fire safety, what fire extinguishers to use. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer, but some people might not even think about it. If you've got an electrical fire, don't grab the water extinguisher. Don't grab the garden hose. You might see the fire and the fire brigade use it, but what's the first thing they do when they get on site? Turn off the power. They don't want to get zapped. Yeah. So if we talk about those two, fire extinguishers, first aid kits, and the training and how to use them. So that's number one. That's a non-negotiable. Mm. The second non-negotiable, if we put it um, on another way, is all your policy and procedures to go with it. So under the Act, Regs and Codes of Practice, I told you I love them. I've read them. Okay? There's a minimum of 21 policies and supporting procedures that go with it. So that's everything from your WHS policies, procedures, right down to things like a, no, a smoking policy within your workplace. Um, you know, if you have the correct documentation, it's actually legislated. Bullying and harassment within a workplace, um, that's been legislated, okay? So if you have those 21 policies, the 21 supporting procedures in how to implement those policies, and this is where a lot of businesses get themselves in, in, in strife is because they try to mash them into one. So a policy is what? Procedure is how to do it, yep. okay? So a, a house has to have, um, you know, safety switches, but... The procedure is how to install them. You can't, it's, it makes it really complicated to mash them. Um, so if you have all of those items in place, okay, your policy procedures and your basic training and, and first aid equipment um, and fire equipment, you're basically covered. From that point on, now it becomes risk assessment. So, Jamie, if you uh, get a contract to deal with, I'm sorry, again, I'm not you know electrician, but let's say you get a contract to deal with a 1,000... Uh, apartment block and you're going to fit out every bit of electrical bit you're not going to go down to a local shop and buy three switches at a time you're going to order pallets of them so now you're starting to do risk assessment do we need pallet jacks, do we need trolleys how are we going to get from the the loading dock up to each apartment so that's you know if you're going to have one guy unloading 100 pallets you're going to end up with you know repetitive strain injury and manual handling problems and that's where you start doing those extra risk assessments do i need this extra stuff or not right it's a it's a a very complicated complicated thing and i can hear as you're saying it at the end of the day electrician jamie on the other side of the table there is like oh my god i've got to do all of this (laughs) stuff i've got to get it done man like you said before jamie it's delegation yeah not something i specialize you don't have to do that i just don't want the headache i just want to be able to ring a guy like you and go can you sort it out for me? <laughs> that, and that's that what we do. In the event that I get something happens, heaven I'm good. forbid it does, I'm, good. I'm covered. Yeah. So we've been running my business now for 10 years. Yep. And there's one thing that I have learned from opening it up to right now. If you suck at it, you're going to do a terrible job of it. So outsource it. Yep. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't I, matter what it is in your life. It doesn't matter what yeah. it is. Like I, just, I, I suck at accounting. Okay. Yeah. I have an accountant. Yeah, hand it off. Yeah, hand that one off. If you are not a specialist in WHS, that's not your thing. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Some people go, oh, really? That's so boring. No, it's not. It's, it's awesome. Outsource it. Yeah. yeah. That's why people and businesses like myself exist, to help those tradies, to help those sparkies get compliant. And the amount of times, though, that I go into a business like yourself, Jamie, and that goes, oh, look, I'm not an expert. Can you just do it for me? But actually end up empowering you to enjoy it mm. to a degree and, and actually go, hey, I've implemented new toolbox talks. And every time the guys are like, oh, cool, I learned something new. Yeah. Well, you it know? doesn't have to be – the toolbox talks don't have to be pure sa- purely <laughs> safety. No, not at all. I give them positive feedback. Absolutely. If there's a positive review, if we're not using drop sheets, you know, yep. all that sort of stuff, we talk about all sorts of things. Perfect. That's and what it's about. Social criteria, it can just be one element, can't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the, the way to look at it – and. I try with the businesses that I work with to structure at least 12 months. Yeah. So if you have one a month, you're going to put down 12 topics you want to cover. And, you know, you're the business owner. You know what the most pressing issues are. It could be manual handling. It could be first aid. It could be, you know, whatever. So you, you actually structure it for that, mu- for that year. However, it's fluid because things change. 
Yeah. You know, you might, like yourself, you know, you've got a zap. So, hey, let's do a toolbox talk, you know, and get a bit more information this month about never assume, you know, always, you know, double check, help each other. Don't, you know, don't get zapped. So, okay, we've changed it that month. So be it. It's fine. I suppose for everyone listening out there, everyone's thinking, okay, I really want to be compliant. What am I looking at in terms of cost for something like this? All right. So, let's make life pretty easy. If... Um, you are a, let's say, less than five staff members, okay? Uh, you've got a couple of trucks on the road and you have absolutely nothing in place. It might all be in your head, that's still considered to be nothing in place, <laughs> okay? Say, so, let's say from go to woe, for 12 months, the first year is always the most expensive. It'll be give or take, depending on the business, about five grand, okay? That will mean you get a full workplace assessment and you get a report that supports that, then for having us actually write and implement your documentation and to help you with the um, the actual you know, putting together talks or actually conducting them themselves, so we can conduct those. So talks. would that be included in the five? That's grand? about five grand. Yeah, and that's now, like a monthly toolbox talk, is it? And that'll be that'll include a monthly toolbox talk as well. Um, when you're talking about purchasing equipment, that'll probably be extra on top of that because you know, depending on the workplace and so forth, what kits you need, you can actually get a dedicated electricians first aid kit. And it actually has further equipment designed for such as burns and so forth as well and non-stick dressing. So if we work on about an average of five grand, the bigger the business, obviously the more implementation and the more complicated some implementation and, and documentation can be. Again, don't forget that first year you got a good accountant, that goes away. What about the, um, <laughs> so I, I'm that business owner that doesn't have anything in place, it's all yep. in my head and I come to you, you're like, yeah, it's five grand. All right, no worries, there's, there's the money. Um, how long is it before I'm actually compliant? Because I understand it's a process over uh, 12 months, all right. but because I'm, I'm not compliant. <laughs> I paid that dude. Yeah, you paid that dude. Now, he, yeah, actually, he, question. He, here's question. what will cover your butt. The uh, insurance companies, okay, and WorkSafe New South Wales love something called continuous improvement. So from the date that we conduct a workplace assessment, that's documented, it's happening. From that date forward, God forbid there's an issue, you are compliant because you're identifying your gaps and you're now taking steps to fill those gaps and mm. fix it. So, for instance, if we say it's a 12-month implementation, if we pick five policies and we say we're going to get this implemented quarter one and you don't, that's when you get your butt in trouble, okay? Makes sense. There may be reasons behind. But you're behind. responsible for that, right? Ah, but I'm responsible because you've yeah, paid me yeah, that. Yeah. But here's the thing. You might get a, ma a monster job and do not have the time. You might lose a staff yeah. member because they're moving states, whatever. So there's only so much so you can do as well. There's only so yeah. much I can yeah. do. I still need the help from the business owner or the person that's a decision maker. But if you decide, okay, we're going to do this the first quarter and, and work happens, life happens, we just rejig the date and you're still compliant. Yeah, makes so, sense. So, you know, to me that... Again, that's just like, what an awesome thing. Yeah, you've paid the money. Forget the money. It's the fact that we've actually identified gaps and we're taking steps to plug them. Yeah. I look at that number five grand and that is such a small amount yeah. of money to pay to know Peace that of if mind. somebody gets hurt, yeah. Yeah. you're sweet. Yeah. And it's not like insurance. Oh it's, not like, <laughs> no. it's not the same peace of mind for insurance because it's yeah. actually real things that stop real things from happening. You might absolutely. never, ever use an insurance yeah. policy. Yep. You pay a fortune for the buddy thing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if, if we put it this way, one, and this is statistically business across Australia when they lumped all together, not necessarily just trades, a worker is two and a half times their annual wage to replace them. It's the easiest way to look at it. If you've got a worker on 100 grand a year, it's quarter of a million dollars, $250,000 to replace that worker. You know, if they get injured within the workplace... So, you know, loss of morale, loss of workplace. You've lost that worker. You've got to replace them. Then once you've replaced them, you've got to train the new one. So lost productivity. It's a quarter of a minute. It's two and a half times their wage to replace a worker. Yeah. Or five grand is a no-brainer. For anyone out there listening <laughs> that says $100 a week is too much, I honestly believe if you're smart, you can easily save $100 a week by going and yep. negotiating with your suppliers, yep. negotiating with the insurance companies, yes. you know, getting cheaper fuel, using the $0.04 cents discount. You can save 100 
and you could spend it on the safety side. Absolutely. I'm going to ask a loaded question in the same vein as <laughs> that as well, because I think it's important because someone might have looked at the title of this, this podcast and kind of rolled their eyes and went, oh, my God, we're talking about safety and <laughs> WHS and stuff like that. And, and the reason that people do that is because it's such a big topic, it's complicated and it's difficult. Yep. Why do you think – what's been your experience in the last 10 years of doing this in – people being so complacent why do they pay lip service to it why does somebody just ah, don't worry about it mate she'll be right yeah you've just answered my you just said what i was gonna say ah she'll be right. we've always done it this way it's always safe um I'm, i'll name another i won't name a business but i'll give an example of another business where an incident has happened for many years this business has been operating they they deal with uh mechanical issues um trailers onto cars and that sort of stuff um, and for many years I've been like, he's a mate of mine for years, and I'm like, hey, you really need to get this in place. These are the consequences, blah, blah, blah. And the result has always been, oh, we always look after each other. Nothing's you ever know, happened. Nothing's ever happened in the last 15 years. We always check we're good, right? <laughs> and then that I get was this a good impersonation, by the way. panicked <laughs> phone call. Yeah, you know, a, a freak accident occurred. Yeah. One of the the, the towball hitches had, had actually um, failed, and a nearly one and a half ton boat came off the back of this car um, and happened to squash one of the workers. And lucky the boat actually a little bit lost control because rather than squashing against a brick wall, it was against a chain mail fence. So we're talking about you know a, a serious reportable incident. So I get this panic phone call. Oh my god, you know, the work cover's coming in. We haven't got anything in place. What do we do? Can you backdate it? The amount of times I've been asked that. You know, like um, yeah, no, yeah. I can't. Do you, basically, the answer is no. I, I, I do run my business by integrity. I'm yeah. going to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that oh yeah, we always look after it. Nothing. We've always done it this way. Well, we've always you know done it X Y Z. But look at the advancements in computers. Oh, we've always had a computer. Yeah, you can always change. You can always improve and make it safer. It doesn't always have to be that way. I mean, just look at the the advancements in safety in in switchboards. You know, oh, we've always wired it up with ceramic things. Yeah, yeah. So on the back of that happening with this person, has he implemented what you've suggested? 100% implementation within six months. Well, that's the thing. Sometimes it takes something significant to do it. Yeah. And you just want to hope that that significant thing is not an injury or a death yeah yeah just I, a scare listening to you saying before you know you, you often enough put up podcasts of things that have gone wrong on your on your, on your socials and stuff you know that could trigger and i look at it this way you might do that a hundred times a year and if that triggers one business yeah. jamie you've actually helped that business yeah. save a life just by that trigger well that's the idea of this podcast we're trying to exactly. make electricians better to yeah. prevent this sort of stuff happening yeah. and the reason that I do my stories on Instagram yep. is to show how we do it and I'm sure there's better ways to do it but if we're making someone better along the way yeah we're doing the right thing absolutely I'll, I want to throw out there as well because you know if you're a really small business I'm going back to debriefing a little bit here and you know that's just me do, do I need all this stuff like we're talking about small electricians just you one man in a van Yes, you still need to be compliant, but I want to put it out there as well that most businesses usually have a mentor or someone they look up to. You know, if you are having issues, if you're like unsure, how about go to them? Say, hey, can you run a debrief with me? Mm. You know, don't just suffer in silence. It's just me. I'm on my own. You know, like there's so many people out there that are available to help. Yeah. You know. So does a one-man band still need all these documents? They do. And the toolbox talk, how does that work? So the toolbox talks will be a little bit different in terms of compliance, but what they're talking about here, and what a toolbox talk actually is, in inverted commas, is continuous development. So if that one-man band goes to NECA, goes to TAFE and just does that little bit extra training on this or or does a, a, a listen to podcasts about getting extra information, that's CPD points. That is toolbox talks. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to share something pretty personal here with you just to drive home the points that Jamie's making today. So my partner, Sue, her her dad was killed in a workplace incident. Um, And I think we all know somebody who some serious injury or a death has occurred. Uh, But Sue was only 20 at the time. um, And he was unfortunately went to work one day. Didn't yeah. come home. So make sure you've got all of this stuff squared away and lined up. Good job.
Oh, Jamie, it's been a uh, hell of a show today, mate, and I really appreciate you sharing your stories. And Jamie Smith, that is. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you sharing, sharing your stories, your insights, and your knowledge. I just wanted to give you an opportunity here at the end of the show as we close it out to maybe share anything that you think we might have missed or anything that you think electricians might need to know about what it is that you do? So um, I'll just put it out there. So excitesafety.com.au. All the information is there. Uh, Contact details are there. I'm going to make sure that Rob has that uh, document I was talking about earlier. Download it, use it. Our contact details are there. If you are stuck Phonus. I'm not going to charge you any money if you phone me and say, hey, is this right? Is this wrong? Drop me an email. I'm not like that. Um, you know, I want to get out there and help those businesses that are stuck. If you do need that ongoing service, you do need that uh, policies, those procedures, you need that training, you need that equipment, we'll there for you. We'll be able to help you and we'll be able to guide you through what as you've said, people uh, have the assumption it is such a, a complicated document. Nah, we'll guide you through it, we'll unbox it, and we'll make it human speak. Yeah, good stuff. I love it. I love it, mate. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? The website, your LinkedIn, do you have some socials as well? So we've got LinkedIn, we've got Facebook, and uh, the best way is probably through the website. So we've got the contact us, uh, our contact phone numbers there. We've got nine staff, so we've always got admin there that will be able to either help you or direct you through to one of the staff members that maybe specialise in your area. I'm always available. The the amount of emails I get each day kind of scares me a little bit, but yeah, I do my best. I get to them and I always answer back as best I possibly can to to assist that business. Yeah, good stuff. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to Jamie's website. His socials are right there so you won't have to go digging around in Google for them. Jamie Small, what's the best way to connect with you, pal? At Pro Image Electrical, <laughs> 2,044 followers as of today. Whoa. What do you got, Rob? Whoa, I got an extra 30 followers overnight. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, I'm, so at, I'm at 1,760-something wow. like We're that. neck and neck now. I'm biting at your heels, pal. <laughs> yeah, so at Instagram or any questions, thoughts, or feedback, uh, reach out there and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. And if you want to reach out to me, you can do it via the Instagrams as well as just rob.russ77. And I'd love to connect with you over there. Jamie Small, today's your day, mate. I'm putting you on the spot. What's the? This has been a hell of a podcast about safety. What's the? What's the parting comment? What's the parting piece of wisdom from the tradie on the other side of the desk there? Well, I've personally used Jamie Smith back when I first started my business about nine years ago. We met through BNI. Yep, this is um, where we all came. Exactly. I'm friends ever since, and okay, my personal testimony is Jamie and his wife Lindsay have looked after me throughout that period. I suppose on the back of this, you'll be looking after me a little bit more because <laughs> it sort of scared me, but for the for a good reason. But you'd be silly out there not to be doing this. Honestly, it seems like I don't know, five thousand dollars doesn't sound like a lot of money to me for five or less staff. But on the on the back of an injury, you'd be wishing you spent the five grand. Yeah. So just get on top of it right now, and otherwise you'll be forever regretting it. Yeah, beautifully said, mate. Nice way to sum up the show. Jamie Smith, thanks for coming on the Electricians Co-op. We really appreciate it, mate. Maybe there's another podcast in there to talk about some more specifics later down the track. We'd love to have you back. But for now, it's uh, goodbye, and thanks again. See you soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Rob. See you, boys. See you, boys.